0: Welcome to Add Passion and Stir, Big Chefs, Big Ideas. This is the Share Our Strength podcast about people who are changing the world. I'm your host, Billy Shore. It's amazing when you realize how central food is to so many things that we care about. It affects our health. We see kids with nutritionally related problems, many of them overweight, even though they're undernourished. It affects our ability to learn. She had to make sure she had lunch in the classroom because at the end of the day, that was going to be all she got. Food security affects our strength as a nation.
1: Within arm's reach are people who are hungry, and there is a anxiety and a stigma attached to that.
0: I'm here with two of my favorite people in Boston. We're broadcasting out of Boston once again, unlike Washington, where we usually are. But I'm here with Joanne Chang, who is the chef and owner of Flower Bakery and a restaurant called Myers and Chang, uh, and Alan Casey, who is the founder of City Year, and now the founder and CEO of Be The Change on which I am a board member. Um, You two in some ways seem to have not a lot in common but in some ways have a tremendous amount in common. You've both Harvard grads. You've both been involved in Share Our Strength in some pretty significant ways. Alan was on our board for the first 15 years and played an absolutely formative role. Um, You're both entrepreneurs, you're always tagged, Joanne, as a business entrepreneur, and Alan, you're always tagged as a social entrepreneur. Um, And I think you both uh, innovate and inspire a lot of people. But one of the things we like to do here is start by talking a little bit about just kind of our roots, how you got to where you are today. And I know it's a story that both of you have told many times. Alan ran for Senate. I was part of that campaign. I've heard about the formative influences on him, but they never failed to Uh, inspire me and Joanne you had a path that a lot of people consider uh, a little bit of a zigzag in terms of how you got to where you are uh, which I think also inspires a lot of people to think that they can make some of the changes that they've always dreamed about but maybe didn't have the courage to make so let's start with you Joanne in terms of talking about how you ended up doing what you're doing.
1: Sure so I grew up in a I'm I'm Taiwanese Um, my parents immigrated here from Taiwan for graduate school and I grew up um, in a very traditional Household where we did not, uh, we spent a lot of time talking about food, but we didn't spend a lot of time talking about desserts. Sweets was not part of my um, my upbringing, and my parents were really dead set on my becoming either a doctor or a lawyer or something much more traditional. So they sent me to Harvard, and I studied math and economics, and and I really liked it, and I got a job um, after. Graduation as a management consultant and did that for a couple of years. Made my parents very happy. Um, but towards the end of the second year, I realized that while I liked my work, I wasn't waking up every morning dying to go to work. And what I was really doing was um, excited to uh, have my weekends and my evenings when I was cooking and baking. I was that person who was always baking things and bringing them to work um, and having dinner parties and things like that. So, so you,
0: you were very popular.
1: I was popular in that <laughs> I was always bringing uh, cookies to work and everybody would flock around my desk yes so so you know two years after college after doing business for a couple of years, I thought if there's ever a chance to try something different and to pursue something that I felt a pas- felt passionate about, it's now. Um, so I got a job in a restaurant. I took a year off from Monitor Company, the company I was working for, and started cooking and I just fell in love with it. And from that point on I didn't I didn't change careers. I stayed in cooking and then I went into baking and kind of moved around from restaurant to bakery um, until, and I moved to New York City and came back. And then in September of 2000, I opened the first flour bakery. Um, I did not have an intention of opening multiple locations, uh, but after six or seven years, it's just a lot of things fell into place and it made sense to open a second and then a third and then a fourth. Uh, my husband, Christopher, and I met when I was his pastry chef at Rialto Restaurant many years ago, um, and we wanted to work together, so we opened a restaurant together, Myers and Chang. Um, so I've been involved in the food business um, at this point for 20, almost 25 years, and it's really everything that I'm all about. I love food. I love thinking about it, and you know, very indirectly and directly, it's how I got involved with Share Our Strength, which is obviously trying to feed kids, it's what I do is feed people, and this was another way to try to address something that's really important to me.
0: Alan, how about you?
2: Well, first of all, as someone who loves Myers and Chang and flour, my office is across the street from flour, I'm so glad you switched careers <laughs> and stayed with it because you are just a genius at uh, creating really special food Thank and, you. and uh, baked goods. So, uh, And we actually have this in common, I'm the child of immigrants also. My father was an immigrant from Iran, he was a doctor. My mother's family was from Italy, as Billy knows. Uh, I was born in Pittsburgh. We share that in common, Pennsylvania. We were born in the same hospital, actually. Yes, oh, yes. yes. No. We, we were same both born hospital. in, and
0: in, uh, yes, in the same hospital. Yeah,
2: where my parents met. Yep. And uh, and I'm sure uh, our immigrant stories are similar. My father came here fleeing a dictatorship, inspired by a country of freedom, and he was a doctor, and he raised me with a really interesting perspective that this is the greatest country in the world, the only one he could come to as an immigrant and a foreigner and be accepted and become a citizen. And he said, you can be anything you want to be in America. As long as you work hard, you get a good education, and you believe in yourself and this country. And my parents made huge sacrifices to send me to Harvard and get a great education. And my father was a real patriot and just loved this country as somebody who chose it and became a citizen. And my mother was Italian. My grandparents were from Italy, so food was very much Persian food, Italian food, very much a part of my upbringing. But my mother was a classic Italian, and Billy had a chance to get to know both of my parents well. My mother loved everybody, and Billy knows this. She, she, she just had this unbelievable capacity for unconditional love, and where my father was more macro and taught me about democracy and the world and uh, America's ideals, my mother taught me about people. And well before Share Our Strength, my mother's real, one of her gifts to me was, she said to me, Alan, you know, everyone has a special gift to give or a strength to share. And she said, you know, you should try to see those gifts and bring them out in people. And, and my mother really just literally loved everybody, everybody she met from all walks of life. And so this and, combination- And loved
0: like hugs and kisses yes, loved. Yes. <laughs> you know, like both arms wrapped around you tight kind of yes, love. Yes, yeah, She would do that and with everybody. And not let everybody. go. Yeah.
2: Yeah, which was really magical. And- uh, And so for me, I came across this idea of national service when I was young in high school and then college, and this idea that we should have a chance as just part of growing up in America, challenge young people to spend a year in service working with people from different backgrounds, coming together to solve problems in their own communities, and it just resonated with me. It was sort of what my mother taught me about giving people a chance to share their gifts or share their strength, and what my dad taught me about how do you make democracy work. At the end of the day, it's all about all of us Holding what Harry Truman said was the highest office in the land—that of citizen—and so I, you know, started working on it with my college roommate Michael Brown, and we decided to start City Year, and it just sort of went on from there. But it was really inspired by my parents. City Year recruits young adults ages 17 to 24 for a year of intensive, full-time community service work, working in uh, low Uh, high-poverty schools, uh, trying to help end the high school dropout crisis.
0: And City Year started in Boston, but is in how many cities now, Alan?
2: Uh, We're now in 28 cities in America. We're also in Johannesburg, South Africa, and in three cities in the United Kingdom. And uh, we'll have over 3,000 young people doing a full year of service uh, just this year alone.
0: And did either of your sets of parents have any uh, or reservation uh, in terms of what you ultimately went into? Your parents probably thought of you and bragged to their friends about you being a management consultant at a big firm, and you were a graduate of Harvard Law School, and so you had lots of different options in front of you. Um, and was there anybody uh, such as your parents or anybody else that you were worried about disappointing if you took this turn that you took?
2: Well, my, my dad, um, it sounds like you had a similar thing. So part of the reason I went to law school is because my dad taught me, you know, as an immigrant, if you get a law degree, you can always support yourself. You can put out a shingle. You know, he was very self-reliant. Uh, and But I decided after law school, I wanted to do city year. And my dad And I had offers from, you know, Wall Street law firms and others. And I had student loans. And my dad said, well, why don't you take one of those great job offers you have, make some money, put some money away, pay off your debt, and then go do city year and sort of get yourself established. And my mother said to me, Alan, what do you really want to do? What does your heart tell you? And I said, well, you know, Mom, I really want to do Air. And she said, well, then that's what you should do. And as usual in my family, my mom won.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: but my dad was, and then finally, I remember it wasn't until Paul Songus, who was a former senator that my dad really admired, got behind Air and joined our board, that I remember calling my dad and him saying, well, if Senator Songus thinks this it's a good idea, then it's probably a good thing for you to do. So he came around, yeah. and he was very happy about it. But at first, he had some hesitations. How about you, John?
1: My parents were definitely hesitant. Um, I didn't know directly out of college that I wanted to get into food. So I did have those couple of years where I did have the lucrative... Uh, career for two years. I made a lot of money. I had big bonuses. And so I think at that point, my parents were feeling good. And so they weren't as worried as it sounds like your dad, Alan, was about um, debt and all of that stuff. But when I said, I've got this great job, I'm giving it up, I'm going to go work for $7 an hour, basically, you know, chopping onions, they were, they were nervous. Um, But what you said earlier, Alan struck me about how, as I never have really thought about this, but my parents like yours came over in search of a better life and this whole idea that life is actually really challenging and really hard and they they lived it and they did everything they could they could to make sure that I didn't have to go through quite what they did um, and so I think for them while they were hesitant when I switched careers and they were definitely worried I think they also felt that they wanted me to pursue what I loved and that that if doing this was something that was going to make me happy then maybe having the big you know paycheck wasn't as important as they thought it was um, so after a while they kind of they saw ha- how happy I was, and they kind of let it let themselves be a little bit okay with it and a little bit more okay with it. And, and now they love it. Now they come, and I don't even see them. They go from bakery to bakery to bakery to restaurant, and I they, see them. They try them all. Exactly. They try them all. And so, so they're very happy now.
0: Alan you've been you've dedicated your life to creating service opportunities for people started with young people now with be the change it's for young people for veterans for people involved in economic empowerment and economic uh, opportunity uh, tell us a little bit about what you have in have in, uh, in mind for that well I think on
2: the on the service thing you know it's funny, I was talking to Michael Brown about this just last night the Boston Globe had a
0: and Michael big, Brown was your co-founder, co-founder city city
2: right? and uh, the the globe has a cover story in the magazine this Sunday about student debt and we are literally bankrupting a generation and student debt is the highest form of debt right now uh, in the country it goes way beyond mortgage debt credit card debt any other kind of debt uh, and it's kind of crazy to say to all our young people when they're starting their lives and they're supposed to be advancing on the American dream that they're starting so far behind. And so I think what we need in this country is a new commitment to national service, but tied to uh, the American dream, tied to advancing opportunity. We need a civilian GI Bill. Now, the GI Bill after World War II literally built the middle class. And what we said to people coming back from the war, we'll invest in you. We will enable you to go to college. We'll give you... Uh, low interest loans if you want to buy your first home or start a small business. And eight million people went to college on the GI Bill, which in those days, you know, a country of about 130 million was a huge number. And studies have shown that it literally built the middle class. And it in today's dollars it was over sixty billion dollars a year. So it's,
0: it's what the government what the government invested in the invested. GI Bill. Yep.
2: So real money now, but Congress also did a study of it in the nineteen eighties and found that for every dollar that the federal government gave in GI Bill benefits, it returned $7 in terms of economic opportunity because people were able to go to college so they paid higher taxes, or they were able to buy homes, or they were able to start business. So I think we need a civilian GI Bill now that basically says to all young people, if you're willing to serve for two years full time in national service, we will help you to go to college at, at a state school, basically so that if you could serve for two years you could go at state school. The average st- state school tuition right now is around $12,000, so it could be It's affordable to be an investment, but it would help reduce the student loan crisis. It would also jumpstart people on the American dream. And I think if we did that and we challenged everyone, we'd have a different country. And young people would jumpstart their lives, not in debt, having served, haven't been able to go to school. So that's one of the things we're pushing. We're also saying that we have the the next greatest generation in our midst. We have now, over a, uh, a million people now have done AmeriCorps since it was started which is a huge number. Over 250,000 have done the Peace Corps. Over five million veterans, post 9-11 veterans, will come home having served in Iraq and Afghanistan. And this generation is incredible. I can't wait till the millennials are in charge because they're way ahead. They're way ahead on social issues. They're more entrepreneurial. They've been through 9-11. They've been through disasters like Katrina and Rita and other natural disasters. They've been through this economic crisis. And so they're resilient. and. They can be the next greatest generation. And Uh, and we have to challenge them to live up to that.
0: So I'm guessing that for both of you to accomplish that, um, you're thinking you've probably got to do even more (laughs) than you're doing. (laughs) Um, And and what I'd like to do as we kind of wrap up here is talk about uh, what's next. I know, uh, Joanne, that uh, people want you to open up flower bakeries from here to Los Angeles. Uh, You've got lots of opportunity. Um, And Alan, there's hundreds of thousands of young people veterans and others that could be engaged in service so what what comes what comes next for for you what are you thinking about that you can share with us
1: well right now we are looking at two or three new locations and we hope to open at least two of them in the next year um, and possibly the third we have a pretty aggressive growth plan at this point but i think i loved alan what you just said about um making sure that you are doing things only you can do because it is so easy to get involved in everything and you want to. It's not that it's a a drag or anything but there's only so many hours of the day and one of the things that we are focusing on is by my focusing only on the things that I can do and then giving everything else to everybody else it does allow us this opportunity to grow in a way that I really want us to be able to grow and so we're hoping to open these new locations within the next year. Um, and then other things down the pipeline, uh, we're finishing up the cookbook for Myers and Chang. So that will be coming out in about a year. And then directly after that, I'll have another baking book coming out.
0: And how many Share Our Strength events would you guess that you've participated in?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, it's
0: got to be dozens it's at this point. Dozens, if yes. not more. Yeah, That's wonderful. Thank you. John's That's been really, really one of our most generous and most hands-on supporters and it means a lot to people when they come and they actually see you at the table making their food and they know what that represents in terms of your commitment to us uh alan what's next for for being the change
2: well you know we have this service campaign but the the other big issue that we're working on right now is the issue of poverty and opportunity and i think and and both of you are working on this and you talk so passionately about it joanne about it's just it's absurd in the united states of america kids go to school hungry how can they learn It's so basic, and you'd think that in this richest country in the history of the world that we would be able to solve that, and thankfully, Billy and Share our strength are leading on that with help from people like you, Joanne. So we have an an effort called Opportunity Nation. It's basically how do we make this country, how do we help us live up to the founding ideals, and that this is the country of the American dream. It's why your parents came, it's why my parents came, why so many people have come here. Uh, And we're really trying to form a coalition our work is about movement building and how do you get people out of their silos to work together on a larger cause. So we have a big summit coming up in September uh, that's going to bring people from all over the country to say, actually, we can take this on. You know, the economy is getting better for some, but for a lot of people, it, it hasn't. And I think that's why we're seeing the kind of crazy politics we're having. So that's the issue we're taking on. And here in Boston, we're actually trying to do a model around that, calling, up, calling it Opportunity Boston to say... You know, we have so many resources here in Boston. We have incredibly dedicated people. There are 32,000 kids that live below the poverty line in Boston. So on the one hand— Which
0: is a big number but a manageable number. Totally. Right? It's, Billy, you, you love to say— that. I Exactly. Just, I,
2: yeah. small. You know, big enough, big to, enough matter, to matter, small, small enough, enough to win. win. Yeah. And that's a doable—I mean, given—we're the number one city for income inequality now.
0: People don't realize that. Number one in the United, number one for in the United States for income inequality.
2: Boston, Massachusetts. So— it's incumbent on us to say, you know what, we can do something about this. 32,000 kids, given that disparity is a tragedy, but it's doable. In New York, you're talking a million kids, Chicago, a million, LA. Here, it's a doable number, and we're a small city geographically, and we are so resource rich. We have so many different not-for-profits. We have the best hospitals, the best universities. We have incredibly dedicated entrepreneurs like you, Joanne. We have great nonprofit leaders like you, Billy. So the idea here is, can we set a big goal? Can we decide we're going to be the number one city for opportunity? And then can we work together on a comprehensive strategy so that every single child gets what they need, that you know, every single child gets school breakfast, every single child that needs a mentor gets one, every single child that needs a summer job has one. This is doable. It's not rocket science. It's not like trying to find the cure for cancer or AIDS, but it's a matter of rallying the city and building a movement to say, yeah, we can do this. We're Boston. We, you know, we, we, The country was invented here. So that's the big thing that we're working on now.
0: Well, we could talk a lot longer, but Joanne brought a box of cookies from Flour, <laughs> so you could either listen to our stomachs rumble or it. listen to us chew, but I think we're gonna go into the next room and break open that box. So uh, Joanne Chang, uh, CEO of Flower Bakeries, uh, Ann Myers and Chang, Alan Casey from Be The Change, thank you both for being with Share Your Strength. Thank you. Thank you. The Share Strength community believes that everyone can share in the global fight against hunger and poverty, and that in these shared strengths, Lie sustainable solutions. Today, Share Our Strength focuses these strengths on making no kid hungry a reality in America. Ad Passion and Stir is distributed by District Productive. Our senior producer is Kerry Thompson. Our executive producer is Peter Ogburn. Ad Passion and Stir is the creation of Billy Shore, Debbie Shore, and Paul Woody Woodhull. I'm Billy Shore. You're listening to Ad Passion and Stir from Share Our Strength.